morning, Genesis Church. It's uh, so good to be with you today as we watch that video there. How, how many of you ever feel like you're running at 2%, right? I mean, like you have nothing left to give. Life ever feel like that for you? I'm sure it does uh, for all of us at some time or another or particular weeks or different seasons of your life or if you've got little ones right now and uh, or maybe if you've even got grown ones, you know, it it certainly keeps you busy. And uh, we go, go, go all the time, man. It's, uh, it's a big part of our culture today. We don't slow down. We're, we're overcommitted. We're running ourselves ragged, I think, if we're honest. And it's not just the busyness that drains our internal battery, but think about the impact of things like money and the things that we worry about, those things that make us anxious and how they have the potential to drain uh, what little we have left to give. Well, this new series uh, that, we're all, or that we're in is all about a recharge uh, as we head into a brand new year and a way to stop the drain. And over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to suggest some uh, new practices when it comes to the things like the pace we keep, uh, some new practices when it comes to dealing with things like worry and, and money. And I can't promise you, I'll just say this up front, I can't promise that you'll agree with all that we have to say. Um, I can't promise that everything that we have to say uh, will be comfortable to hear, but consider this, a colonoscopy isn't comfortable either, right? And uh, But it saves countless lives uh, every year. It's just something you have to do. Here, here's the good news for us today. Uh, and with this series and something that we've been praying for and I've been praying for you, that uh, God doesn't want you to live life at 2%. Uh, that's not what he has intended or what he has planned for us. He loves you too much. He, he loves us too much uh, to see us live our lives like that. And so part of the recharge that we want to discuss, uh, not only today but in the next couple of weeks, means tuning in to some important words and instructions that he has for us in critical areas of our lives. And so if you've got a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to take it uh, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you want to use one of the Bibles around the room on the floor, uh, page 807, or if you use something like the YouVersion app on your phone, again, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, last week, Steve talked all about setting right priorities uh, as we get started into a new year. Today, I want to talk with you about a way of operating financially that I think has the potential to reduce the battery drain. Okay, to reduce some of the drain on life, uh, impact your faith, and I think greatly influence the way you see your role as a follower of Jesus Christ uh, in this world. Now, I had somebody say to me last week, I was teaching over in Noblesville, they said, uh, do you dread talking about money? And uh, my response was, well, I, I get the emotion. Like, it's, it's, it's heavy. Like, it's a burden, really, to teach on something like money, but you need to know it's something that... Well, I, I couldn't be more confident in what I believe that God's Word has for us when it comes to the way that we live and operate financially. And so a big part of what I want to share with you today really is so much of it is my own personal journey uh, in something like this. But right off the top, I want to say that if you're new with us today, uh, if you're new to church, especially if you're new to Christianity, uh, you're off the hook today, all right? And so as we talk about money, you can just kind of kick back and relax and consider for yourself what it might mean to you or even why the Lord has you here today. But for the rest of us, for those of you that are here that know Christ as your Savior, if you've put your trust in Him, I really pray that you'll just open your heart and your mind to what the Lord has for you today. 
All right, what does he have for you when it comes to this subject of money and generosity and how you live your life, all right? And trust him with what he wants to do in you and for you as you leave this place today. Because the unfortunate thing about money for us is this, that while it's essential for our survival, I think we all know maybe more than anything else, money has the ability to prevent us from experiencing everything that God has for us and wants for our lives. And I think the truth is that for most of us, I think most Christians have at least some idea of how we're to live financially. We know we should trust God. Uh, We know we should give, but under the ongoing pressure to make ends meet every single month, think about how often fear wins out or fear cripples us or gets in the way. And it's the fear of not having enough that drains us or robs us of our faith and prevents us again from experiencing the freedom that God wants for us. Well, here's the thing. It may surprise you. It may not surprise you that this problem with faith and money is not unique to any of us here. In fact, it's something that the Christians, uh, that many Christians were challenged with 2,000 years ago, and it's why the Apostle Paul uh, offered some hopeful words and practical wisdom regarding the management of your financial resources, our personal finances in 2 Corinthians uh, that we're going to look at today. And His goal here really was to teach Christians how to live. Uh, to teach Christians how to view their finances, to view these as gifts, and really their role and responsibility in this world, and how to live a life that reflects trust in God, so again, that we might enjoy a fuller life in Him as we live for Him each day. So again, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let's start in verse 6 together. Again, the words will be on the screen for you as well. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now stop there for a second. Those who received these words 2,000 years ago were more than familiar with farming, okay? This was a very agrarian uh, sort of society and culture. And so Paul borrows from their culture here in order to provide for them an illustration and distinguish the difference between a foolish farmer and a wise farmer. And I believe that the Apostle Paul is basically saying this, that there is the foolish farmer and that the foolish farmer will consume everything he harvests or she harvests, not saving any, not uh, refusing to set any aside for the next season, all right, for the future harvest, that it's the, the foolish farmer that sows their seeds sparingly and as a result, you get back what you put into it, all right? Uh, that the foolish farmer is not willing to take any risk, and so there's a smaller harvest at the very end of it all. The wise farmer, on the other hand, lives off what he or she needs and then sets aside an appropriate amount of seed for the next season. And so you could say that a wise farmer sows carefully, but as the Apostle Paul points out here, yet generously, knowing that a greater harvest will follow because of it. And so it's the wise farmer that demonstrates faith. It's the wise farmer that is willing to risk knowing that good things can come from it. And so again, Paul's painting a picture for how we live and manage our finances and how it relates to farming. It's like he says, you know, those who refuse to trust God with their financial management miss out on greater blessings from him. But on the other hand, those who will live generously will invest in a harvest to follow that has the potential to exceed all of your expectations. I think we could put it in a statement that goes just like this if you're taking notes today. Our big idea for this morning is just basically that God generously provides for those whose actions reflect great trust in him. 
God generously provides. The promise is that he will generously provide for those that, whose actions reflect great trust in him. And I'll just say that I believe with all of my heart that this is true. And it's true because it's in God's word. Uh, it's true because it's something that Jenny and I have experienced, and I know many of you are living this and experiencing this as well. It's a way of managing your finances and a life that reflects this belief that everything that I have belongs to God. A hundred percent of what I have and I've received, it all belongs to God. My responsibility is to manage, to steward. Uh, the instruction from the Lord is to give generously, to live a life of generosity, and then to live off the rest. And so we trust God to provide for everything that we need. And again, what I want you to see today is that God generously provides for those whose management of their finances, that we do so in a way that reflects great trust in him. Now, Paul had already taught this church in Corinth about giving and tithing. In fact, the people of this church had previously made a commitment to help support Christians who are being persecuted in Jerusalem. Now, for whatever reason, all right, and we don't know for sure, by the time Paul wrote to them here in 2 Corinthians, the offering hadn't been taken yet. And again, we don't know why they hadn't followed through. Some scholars suggest that times were tough uh, for the Christians in Corinth. Maybe the, the church and the people were a little more concerned about their own financial survival. I'm sure there were some who were not making great financial decisions and had nothing to give, so we don't know. But, but think, about, think about how those are some of the very same reasons you know, we struggle with giving today or we're reluctant to give or this fear that comes in giving and generosity. I mean, chalk it up to tough times. You know, because if you're going through a tough time as a family, if you're going through uh, some really difficult circumstances right now, maybe the loss of job, I mean, you get the fear, all right? You get the fear. We're afraid that there won't be enough at the end of the month or, uh, you know, for those that are drowning in debt today or maybe living beyond your means, you can see how difficult this is. Or, or how about this? Think about how often two married people aren't on the same page when it comes to finances. And so if you can't get on the same page, how do you proceed in something like this? And some people... Some people, though, just choose to look the other way when it comes to God's instructions for us, when it comes to giving and generosity, because we think we're better off doing it our own way. Uh, Philip Yancey is a popular Christian writer, and he wrote about this attitude towards money. Uh, look what he has to say here. He says, you know, many Christians have one issue that haunts them and never falls silent. Uh, for some, it's sexual identity. For others, it's a permanent battle against doubt. He says, the issue that haunts me is money. It hangs over me. It keeps me off balance, restless, uncomfortable, and nervous. I feel pulled in opposite directions over the money issue. And then he later goes on to say, he says, mostly, mostly I wish that I didn't have to think about money at all, but I must somehow come to terms with the Bible's very strong statements about money. And so today... Uh, with this little bit of time that we have, I mean, part of our, uh, of our goal here is to just kind of look like, what, is, what, what does the Bible have to say for us when it comes to money? Well, Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he writes about the law of the harvest that is sometimes referred to. Again, you reap what you sow. And basically, again, he says, if you will be faithful, the promise is if you will be faithful and choose God's way when it comes to money, the promise is that he will generously provide for your needs. Now, let me add this too before we continue on. This isn't a fundraising message today, all right? This, that's not what the Apostle Paul's doing. It's certainly not what I'm up to today. This isn't about God or Genesis, you know, trying to get more of your money. But rather what I want you to see today, rather what I want you to consider is how God wants his people to live. Like, what does he want for us in this area of money? I mean, if we're going to trust him, if we're going to seek his will and his wisdom for every other area of our life, 
well, why wouldn't he have something to say for us when it comes to money too and the ability that, that he has through our giving and generosity to increase our faith and open a door for all sorts of possibilities in this world. But here's one thing that I get. I get if it seems a little counterintuitive, all right? Because if, if you're new to this or if this is an area that maybe you struggle in or has been difficult for you, I, I get the trying to reason, even the logic of, okay, wait, the more you give, the more God provides. How's that work? Or like if I'm going through a tough time right now, well, wouldn't, shouldn't I take everything that I have to use for my current needs? Why in any way would I give that away? I mean, you can see how any of us can do this work in our minds that seems to make the most sense, but not in God's economy. God, God promises so much more, so much more to those who surrender everything back to Him or to, to him. So, uh, you know, just look into these verses. Let me just point out this. Four times in six, ver- six verses, Paul uses the word generous here. And that word generous means to be liberal in our giving. It means to be liberal in our sharing. It means to be open-hearted, literally, in the Greek. Uh, but what does it mean as far as dollars and cents are concerned? Like, just on a daily basis or on a monthly or weekly basis, what's it mean for us? Well, Paul addresses this with the people in Corinth. You just got to look closely. Look at verse 7 what he says to them. He says, each of you, makes it very personal, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now remember, this isn't the first time that Paul spoke to the issue of generosity with the Corinthians here. In fact, in his first letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he instructed the people, the church there, to take an offering uh, on the first day of each week, the day that they gathered for worship. And so he reminds them here again. And he says to them, each of you should give. And so notice that it's a very personal instruction. Paul expected every believer in the church to give or contribute financially. Now, here's what's interesting about this church, all right? If you get to know this church in Corinth, it was full of all kinds of people. It was full of slaves. It was full of the the working class, class. There were people there who had lots of money. There were people there who had no money at all. But notice Paul says nothing about the amount you give or that the amount had to be the same. But he does expect, he does suggest that everyone give something. Again, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Take note here, if you find yourself offended you know, by this talk on money or another talk on money, just take note, giving's a choice. Paul says it very clearly here. The Apostle Paul says to us, this is your personal choice. Don't do this out of pressure. All right, don't do this out of reluctance. Again, generous means open-hearted, meaning it's an expression of your heart. It's an expression of your faith. And that's why Paul reminds this church that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. It's why we, we applaud when we take an offering here. And sometimes it's weak and it's a little sad, right? You know, And sometimes we get into it a little bit, but that's just what we're after. We want to remind ourselves that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And so Paul instructs them. Again, to make a conscious decision about their giving, that's part of my challenge to you today, is you do the work. You consider for yourself what this means. What's God speaking into your heart and in your life today when it comes to your giving and generosity? Again, he doesn't want any of us to give reluctantly or out of guilt, but to make a decision, to make a move that reflects our faith and our desire to trust him. And you know what? I know that a lot of you are already doing that. And if you're already doing that, I, I pray you'd open yourself up to what, what does God have for you today? Uh, 
What, what, what's he want to do in your life in this next year? Maybe, maybe there's some of you here today and, man, this would be a big step for you to think about, you know, making a move when it comes to your generosity and finances, a move that reflects your trust in the Lord. Um, I, I, I want to cons- I, I cons- ask you to consider making a move this year that demonstrates your faith and, again, what God's doing in your life as a follower of Jesus. And to do that, you know, when you take all of what Jesus had to say in the Gospels about giving and possessions, when you add in here what the Apostle Paul is getting after, when he talks about generosity, there are, I think, three basic themes that really emerge, three themes that provide for us a picture of what giving and generosity can look like today. Now, we call these the three Ps. Uh, we talk about them most every year. They're not original to us, all right? They're an idea that we've borrowed and learned from. We'll probably still be talking about them 15 or 20 years from now. We might change the letters to different words just to mix it up a little bit, make it fresh. But uh, let me just challenge you to take some notes today and give some thought. The three Ps, all right, when it comes to our giving and generosity and how each of us might be able to grow in them. The first one is just simply this. It stands for priority giving if you're taking notes. And it just means that if you're not currently giving anything uh, back to the Lord right now, uh, maybe you'd be ready to consider a move in your life, all right, to make giving a priority. That just simply means that your giving or your generosity is going to be the first thing you do, the priority every month in 2018. And again, that just simply means that of all of the items that come up for you every month, all expenses, everything on your monthly budget, giving a financial gift back to God through your church becomes your priority each month. It comes right off of the top. And that just means then before you pay the mortgage, uh, before you pay the rent, uh, before you pay the phone bill, the car bill, before you go to the grocery store, the very first financial gift is to the church that you call your home. Priority giving is a way of acknowledging what is most important to you. That's what Jenny and I do, all right? And I know that's probably what many of you do as well, that giving back to God through your church or through Genesis is right on the top. It's a way of reflecting your priority, your trust in the Lord. Now, here's another reason why I think giving priority giving is important, especially as you get started. If you wait until the end of the month, after all of the other expenses are met, more times than not, it's going to impact the bottom line of your giving, all right? We just do that, right? We do that with just about anything, all right? And so uh, it's just the way it is with priorities. And so our generosity tends to be greatest after receiving provision. And so waiting until our provision is reduced by everything else, again, is going to minimize our generosity. But if you prioritize your giving, all right, it's the first thing you do, then everything else will take its proper place in line. And so I think the challenge is just this, as a way of reducing the drain, moving our faith in money uh, over to faith in God. When it comes to generosity and trust in God, we do it best when we honor God with the first portion of our income. And it's a way of acknowledging where your hope lies. And it's an act of faith that demonstrates belief that God is the provider of everything I need and have. The second P is this. The second P stands for percentage giving, all right? And just as a way of getting our minds around giving and generosity, you know, so often uh, when people are ready to make this move into giving and generosity, uh, you wonder, where do I start? Uh, where do I begin? Remember, Paul challenged the people to think about what they should give. And what's nice about percentage giving is that it just objectifies the whole process. Like when you decide to give a percentage of your monthly income, it becomes pretty cut and dry at that point. Now, one of the words that you'll hear around uh, the church uh, or you'll see in the Bible, especially if you're new to all of this, is the word tithe. 
all right? And the word tithe is just simply a mathematical term that means tenth, all right? It means 10%. And when God instructed Moses and the Israelites how to live at Mount Sinai, he established a pattern of living, a way of life, all right, whereby you would always give 10% of your harvest or you'd give 10% of your income. Now, this can be a confusing, even a conflicted conversation for some people who will say, you know what, tithing is an Old Testament thing. Like we're not under Old Testament law anymore. And I would just say, be careful of such an argument. All right, because if you look at the life and the study and the teaching of Jesus, all right, Jesus came on the scene and not only did he affirm the tithe, but he also raised the bar and he challenged his followers, all right, to be generous in their giving. It was his way of saying that tithing is really more of a starting line for us. It should never be the finish line when it comes to our generosity, that there should be no ceiling when it comes to generosity, whatever the case. I think 10% is a great starting place if you're ready to give. Like if we're really ready to approach our finances as if God provides it all, he is the owner of all things, that isn't giving 10% back to God the least that we can do. Now, just to be open with you, a little personal here, uh, Jenny and I, we started tithing 18 years ago. We were about a year into our marriage at that point. And I had just gone on staff at a church we hadn't really been tithing. We gave sporadically. And well, I realized if I'm going to be a pastor and teach people about giving, we probably better do it regularly too. And so we jumped in. We jumped into the pool one day and we just started tithing. And I'll just say this. It's one of the best decisions we've ever made in our life. One of the greatest decisions that we've ever made. It was hard at first. There were some really tough months, especially as we got started. The furnace would go out, an unexpected expense, worrying if there'd be enough at the end of the month. We had to hold each other accountable along the way, all right, because it was a difficult start. What's our only regret? I wish we'd started sooner. I, I, I don't remember anyone in my life growing up as a kid teaching about giving and generosity. I wish I would have learned this sooner. And so it's one of the reasons why we're committed to talking about it every year here at Genesis. All right, we really want to examine what God has to say for us when it comes to our finances because there's no better way to live. All right, God's way for us when it comes to generosity is best. What about you? Where do you, where do you sit with this today? Uh, where do you stand with this today? Are you, I, I believe are, some of you, you're, you're ready to take a step of faith when it comes to, to generosity and the way that you manage finances. And if so, I want to challenge you to start the year off right by establishing a budget Okay, that reflects, that starts with giving 10% back to God each month and make it the first gift that you give. And try it. Try it for three months. Try it for six months and see what happens. And if, if you ultimately find that 10% is impossible for you, then pray about it. Like, pray and ask the Lord, like, what is it for me? I mean, and if, and if he tells you 7% or if he tells you 5% or 3%, go with what God tells you to do on this. But give it a shot as a way of trusting him. And I just say this, if you've tried this in the past or if you tried this last year and you gave up, jump back in. Pray and ask God to give you the faith, the faith to, to try this once again. But don't put it off until you make more. Like don't kick the ball down the field until one day where you make X amount of money because if you take a pass because you think your gift doesn't matter, it's not about the amount that you give. It's about your faith. It's about the direction of your heart and the statement that you're just simply making before him that, God, I want you to lead my life and everything that I have belongs to you and I want to honor you with every part of who I am because there's a way that he has for us in this world. 
and it involves our money too, and it's a life that is full of purpose and faith and freedom. But here's the hard truth. You're never going to experience the freedom that he has for you until you surrender every part of your life to Jesus Christ, until we bring everything that we are or hope to be under him and his leadership for us. And unfortunately for us, for so many of us, that area that we refuse to surrender to the Lord so often involves our money. And Jesus knew that, and it's why he talked about money and possessions more than anything else. Jesus realized that there is a fundamental connection between uh, our faith and how we think about and handle our money. Here's a, here's a story I want to share with you. Uh, one family that attends our church that um, I, I just, I knew their giving story. And I said, hey, will you, will you write this down for me so I can share uh, with our church family? And uh, so I've got their picture on the screen. This is Elijah and Crystal Condalone and uh, their two kids. They've been coming to Genesis for about seven years now. And they've got a great story, a great faith story. And they were new to their faith when they first came to Genesis. But here's what they write. They said, a few weeks after attending Genesis for the first time, Paul preached on the topic of giving and generosity. Love the timing when people's first Sundays are on a, a generosity Sunday. Maybe some of you today. But here's what they write. He said, I remember thinking as we walked into service that day, here we go, the sermon on giving. And even though my wife and I were new to the Christian faith, we had heard sermons on giving before. And to be honest, our expectations weren't good going into that day. You see, our mindset at that time was one of we don't have much money to give. We'll put a 20 or so in the plate once in a while and call it good. But more specifically, we viewed our money as just that, our money, a scarce resource to be used for our specific purposes and well-being. But he says the Lord had other plans. He spoke, spoke through Paul that day in a way that we never experienced before or perhaps weren't willing to experience before. God spoke into our hearts. He helped us to have the courage to take a step toward becoming a joyful giver. Uh, we left services that day and soon after starting uh, planning how we would tithe. And he says, I don't think it was a full 10% in the beginning, but it was more than anything we'd ever given before. More importantly, looking back, God was drawing us closer to him, requiring us to put our faith in him, not in how much we had in our bank account. He says this, over the years, by God's grace, our family has grown in our faith. By no means have we arrived and we don't take credit for our own growth, but God is always good and his plans are perfect, even when it's hard for us to understand or take action. He says this, today we joyfully tithe above and beyond in good times and not so good times. And the firm and powerful truth is that God has blessed us in ways beyond our imagination, truly beyond our imagination. Can we celebrate that story together? Will you join me in celebrating that? I, I, I was just reading somebody that said we should celebrate our giving stories. In our generosity stories, because it's just an example of growing in our faith and in trusting the Lord. And I know we got, we got some here today. There's some of you who probably tell some great stories about how God has grown you and provided for you in this area. Now, last thing, because there's no ceiling or end, again, when it comes to our giving or to what God wants to do in our hearts in this area, um, part of what God wants to do in this journey of generosity for each of us is he'd like for all of us to become what we'll call a progressive giver. Or again, just a challenge to be progressive in your giving. And that just means that as a way of taking a greater step in your faith, maybe for some of you, this is a challenge even for this upcoming year, something like this, that if you've been given 10%, for the last five years or for the last 20 years, it might be time to increase your giving by a percentage or two. Now, why is that a good idea? Well, I think faith and generosity go hand in hand. You can't separate them. And so if my faith is going to grow and thrive, your, my generosity, our generosity ought to grow alongside of it at the very same time. Now, 
I, I've seen and heard stories of people doing just this, uh, demonstrating this sort of generosity in the way they live their lives and the way they care for others. Uh, there are people, believe it or not, there are people who make it a point to increase their giving by a percentage or two every year. Or maybe instead of increasing their giving to Genesis, what they'll do is they'll go over and above and they'll give outside of the walls of the church. And they'll do something very special for someone else. Or maybe there's a ministry that they're very passionate about and so they'll give over and above to something that gets them real excited. Here's the thing, when you get started in your, your giving and continue in it, here's what you're going to discover. You can't outgive God. I got a friend that used to say that all the time. You can't outgive our God. And it's the law of the harvest that Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians, that you reap what you sow. And so the more you give, the more God provides for you and your life. And, you know, as I could share with you stories about people in our church, I'll just say, I got some great stories for how the Lord has provided for us in this as well. And again, while Jenny and I started tithing uh, 18 years ago, it was about 10 years ago that we made the decision as a way of trusting the Lord, of honoring the Lord, to increase our giving by roughly 1% every year. And that's something that we've continued in. And not only have we increased our giving uh, back to the Lord through Genesis Church, but we also give over and above to some of those other ministries that we get excited about, right, that we're passionate about, that are also helping people find their way back to God. And here's what I've discovered. You can't outgive God. All right, you can't outgive the Lord. He is a great provider. He is the giver of all good things. And again, so many of you have got generosity stories like that too. And if you don't, you can have your own story. All right? You can have your own story of how the Lord is faithful and how he provides. Because if you've been living under the pressure and the rule and the drain of money, you can make a move in your life that reflects trust in God because God generously provides to those whose actions reflect great trust in him. Look at verse 8. Paul says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Again, Paul knew the fear, all right? He knew that it was a fear, a barrier uh, for the people in Corinth. It's true for us today. And so notice the promises. Bless you abundantly in all things, at all times. As you trust the Lord, you will have everything you need. You will abound in every good work. Now, that doesn't mean we get what we think we need from him. All right, this isn't a prosperity sort of teaching whereby if you give X amount of God, he is going to return to you X amount, all right? It's not a guarantee either that you and I, that we won't experience some financial challenges or difficulties in our life. But there is a promise. The promise is that God will provide, and he will provide every time. And that just means that sometimes he might provide in very unexpected ways. He might provide through a raise. He might provide through a financial gift or a refund. Sometimes his provision comes in the form of wisdom to manage what we have or what very little we have. And so I can't tell you how this is going to play out for you except for saying that God gives generously to those whose actions reflect trust in him. And the more we trust him, the more we see him. And the more we trust him, the more we get to participate in his work that he's doing in and around our lives and through this church. Now, get this. I, I know that for some of you today, this probably seems like such an impossibility for you, all right, with whatever it is that you have going on in your life right now. Because if you're in a tough place or you're in a mess, I know that it just seems like, you know, this is a mess that I could never dig out of. Well, one of the things that I'm really excited that our church offers is a ministry called Financial Peace 
University. And we've got a class coming up in just a couple of weeks that we'll be starting. How many of you have ever been through FPU before, just by a show of hands? All right, we've got a handful of people around the room. Uh, it's a great nine-week course. Uh, we're going to offer it here on Tuesday nights. Matt and Katrina Howard are going to offer it here. Matt and Katrina in the back, sorry to call you out, but they're in the very back. They'll be out in the lobby today. They're going to offer it here on Tuesday nights starting January 23rd. Jenny and I are going to offer it on Sunday nights. So if Sunday night's a better night for you over at our Noblesville campus, let me just add this. Next to starting to give, going through FPU has helped us immensely. Uh, we went through this nine years ago, nine years later now. We're living off a budget. We're giving more than we've ever given before. We're investing and saving for college. And I'll just share this with you today. We are 100% debt-free as a family. And I give that up to the Lord. And again, just what we've learned through this experience. And I'd love for you, if you've never gone through before, to consider FPU or to go through it again. Again, Matt and Katrina will be offering it. They'll be here. We'll talk to you afterwards. Let's finish up with these last words from Paul because I don't want you to miss them. And I think there's some good words to reflect on even this week. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. It says, Now he, Paul says, who supplies seed to the sower... This is God for us. And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity, he says, will result in thanksgiving to God. He says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of the service by which you have proved yourselves Get this, others will praise God. They'll praise God for your obedience in this area that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Notice that not only does God promise to increase our faith and provide for our needs, he says, your generosity is gonna help people find their way back to God in this world that the Lord is going to use it and it's going to result in thanksgiving to God or again, people who will say, I'm being provided for. I found my way back through the love of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Genesis. You are incredible in your generosity. And as Steve shared a couple of weeks ago, there are so many stories about how your generosity is, well, God is using it and he's blessing it and multiplying it help others come to know the Lord. And for the rest of you, man, why not make a move? What is it that the Lord wants to do in your life? Are you ready to take a step of faith this year that reflects your trust in God? Because God generously provides for those whose actions reflect great trust in Him. Let's pray. God in heaven, we just acknowledge today that you are the giver of all things, the provider of all good things. And it is our desire to live our lives obediently for you in this world in every area of our life, Lord. And for some of us today, maybe the next move that we need to make comes in this area of the way we manage our financial resources. God, will you do your work in our heart and in our lives? Uh, will you move in us? Will you give us faith to take a step to trust you, whatever that step of faith may be? And would you bless us, Lord? Would you prove these words true? in our lives as we reflect this faith and trust in you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, will you stand with us this morning as we close and as we sing this last song here? We can't miss 
the last verse in this particular section in verse 15 where the Apostle Paul closes it all out by saying, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. See, he is the great giver and the greatest gift that he ever gave was his son for you and for me. And So part of our response today is a willingness to give everything that we have to live our lives for him. Let's sing as we close together.